section five of a cruise in an opium clipper by lindsay anderson this librivox recording is in the public domain section five chapters fifteen through seventeen chapter fifteen a passage is discovered again at four a m on this third morning of our quest after the eagerly looked-for entrance to taku was the eamont wore round and headed so as to reach close to the surf by daybreak as every object within range of our vision became clearly visible in the full daylight we once more took our station on the quarter-deck with our glasses in the near vicinity of the captain as on preceding days we sailed leisurely along the reef at about a cable's length off it two quartermasters in the chains giving the depths of water at intervals of five minutes a fresh breeze from southwest prevailed during the day while we had been cruising up and down this seemingly impenetrable coast while as the sun sank beneath the western horizon it invariably decreased gradually till midnight and then as gradually increased in force till the sun rose and continued to freshen till noon and it was generally three or four in the afternoon before it was felt to decrease from its maximum force at noon coasting along the edge of the surf and intently watching for any peculiarities on the coast we arrived off the two hummocks which marked the indent in the coast-line that we believed to be the entrance into taku observations and cross-bearings were again taken and recorded in the log while the captain marked the position on the chart he had constructed instead of proceeding northward as on previous days towards the headland that formed the northwest extremity of this not very deep bay the eamont was allowed to lie hove to while taking observations after we had finished the making and recording of our observations the captain said i think we won't go any further north to-day we will let her lie here as she is right off these hummocks for i feel very certain that is the entrance to our new market it is just possible we have passed along too quickly yesterday and the day before he added and given the natives the impression that we were only on a pleasure cruise so we will lie to here till four o'clock and keep a good watch for anything stirring around us the captain's determination to lie off the hummocks and keep a good lookout proved most fortunate for at two p m a raft with two men on it was sighted about two miles to the northward of us and nearly right ahead as we were heading there they had evidently come through the surf to the northward of us as nothing south of us could have escaped our watchful attention as soon as captain gulliver made out the two men on it he turned to the quartermaster and said edge her off a couple of points and bring that raft on our weather bow and keep it there mr jewel make a little more sail after you fill upon her and let us get between them and the reef said the captain turning to nealance and me he continued get your revolvers and swords and a few rounds of ammunition get the whaleboat ready at once take six armed men with you and bring those two men on board from that raft never mind their raft i will pay them for that if they prove of any service to us ay ay sir we both repeated nealance gave his orders to the boatswain about manning the boat 
and like me was down below in a trice both of us returning as quickly with our fighting harness on the men were almost as soon ready as ourselves and in less time than it takes to chronicle it the boat was in the water and dashing along towards the raft at a rate that would have done justice to an oxford or cambridge crew following the example of the emont mr nealance steered our boat to cut them off from getting to the surf again which from the way they were using their paddles it was evidently their intention to do these rafts which are often named catamarans are formed of the thick bamboo cane they are made double possibly a dozen or more on the top the same underneath with strong wooden battens placed athwartships between them and all securely lashed together with bamboo made rope on these rafts they are known to go through the surf and any broken water where even our finest whale-boats dare not venture deeply immersed in the seething foam as they pass through it their garments are never wet for a single leaf from a bamboo tree is all the raiment they put on when on a fishing expedition at any rate going at a pace twelve feet to their one we soon came up with them and between them and the reef by the time we had got so far that their retreat was cut off they ceased paddling big strapping specimens of mankind they were wild-looking fierce and untamed as i have generally found the cannibal races to be and not unlike the dyaks in the hills of borneo pulling alongside the raft and catching a turn of it with a small line nealance ordered them into our boat muttering something that was not intelligible to us they seemed by their motions to decline the invitation drawing our swords nealance and i with two seamen jumped on the raft which barely floated the six of us at sight of the bare steel and our determination to have them they submitted with an ill grace to be placed in the boat the raft was cut adrift the oars shipped and in five minutes we were all on board the emont which had hauled out close to us and laid to by the time nealance and i had finished attending to the securing of the boat and returned to the quarter-deck captain gulliver had the two natives aft and with the help of our chinese shroffs was endeavouring to extract some information from them the result of all the information the captain was able to get out of them was not much the chinese shroffs seemed at a loss to make out their formosian patois however two important crumbs of knowledge were got out of them the two hummocks did form the entrance to taku inside the hummocks there was a large river they pointed out a place in the surf through which we must pass to reach the hummocks and on the quarter-deck a piece of chalk was put into the hands of the eldest and seemingly most intelligent who questioned by the shroffs as to the depth of water on the reef over which we had to pass drew a line on the deck which when measured proved eighteen feet in length the captain ordered the shroffs to attend to the two natives and give them something to eat and also to inform them if we got in all right they would be well paid for their raft the natives disposed of the emont was filled upon and headed off shore whereupon the captain invited us officers below to have a consultation over our next proceedings which will necessitate a chapter to themselves chapter sixteen bumping over the reef 
as soon as we were at the captain's invitation seated round the table in the after cabin a bottle of champagne of rare vintage was produced to assist in our deliberations the wine having gone the round of the table the captain proceeded to state his intentions for our consideration saying we have now arrived off the port i was ordered to and my instructions were to get there at all hazards our owners knew but little of the place but they did know that opium was brought here to supply a receiving ship inside and that a very high price was obtained here for it they were also very eager to get to windward of these other merchants who had kept the knowledge of the place so darkly secret taking all these notions of the owners into consideration i think we will run the risk of driving through that surf line which does not seem broad and from the colour of the water i have no doubt there is plenty of water inside the emont is as strong as any man-o-war afloat and a few bumps on the reef won't hurt her eighteen feet was the depth these natives chalked out on the deck and i suppose they guessed it from the length of the poles they use in shoving themselves over it we are drawing fourteen so that gives four feet to spare the sea out here is not much over four feet or if we measure from the hollow of the wave eight feet then our buoyancy would stop at the four feet nothing daunted at the daring intention of the captain we assured him that we readily agreed with him in facing a passage across the reef and that our best services were entirely at his command that point is settled then said the captain now for how we are to do it nealance and anderson you will take ten men each go down into the hold and shift those ninety chests of opium right forward that will give us another foot less water aft and as she is only eleven feet forward another foot there won't hurt her it is scarcely three o'clock you can pipe to grog first and i expect in half or three-quarters of an hour you will report to me that you have finished as i want all hands on deck when passing the reef and all hatches and companionways securely closed another glass of wine before you go he added while i explain to mr jewel his part of the programme you will take the rest of the hands mr jewel and set every stitch of canvas and have the large square sail ready for setting as soon as we bear away for the reef the wind is still at its freshest and the less time we spend on the reef the drier we will be when we get over with the enthusiasm of the moment we shook hands all round drank to our success and proceeded to carry out the orders confided to us the men were piped to grog and as the work of the vessel had been eased up a good deal for the crew the last day or two while we had been so anxiously intent on finding a channel to this place able and willing hands jumped to their work with hearty good will good seamen are very restless in idleness and often get fidgety for something to do to quell the restless spirit within them we had a good strong and able crew who proved no exception to the general rule as to a cure for restlessness in a little over half an hour nealance and i had completed our task and by the three-quarters of an hour the hatches and companionways were secured the emont was now under every stitch of canvas except the balloon square sail 
and heading offshore at a spanking rate as soon as nealance reported to the captain that everything was secured he called all hands aft told them we were about to run the surf and that when in the broken water should nothing happen to call them to stations each one must look out for himself and hang on well should she ship any water nealance and anderson he cried go to the wheel with two quartermasters pass a couple of lines across from rail to rail for lifelines to hang on by and remain there till we are over if one gets washed away another will thus be ready to seize the wheel which is the most important object of all the Emont, having forereached a little to the northward while standing offshore was then put about so as to run in with a good impetus on the starboard tack the wind well on the quarter as soon as she was round and the yards trimmed the balloon square sail was set and the main boom sheet eased off as far as necessary away flew the Emont before the breezes like a greyhound just slipped from his leash the captain took his station with the two natives and a chinese shroff on the weather side of the quarter-deck and from there conned the Emont to what might be her doom or the success of his daring enterprise flying through the water as if she were a thing of life being hunted to death the Emont soon came to the edge of the surf which was falling wave over wave with the noise of a cataract one length of herself within this mass of seething hissing foam and bump she came striking heavily on the ground and making her spars tremble and shake like willow wands while she herself paused in her mad career another mass of seething water came along filling the decks fore and aft but lifting her up to hurl her further on her way while running on this second roller she attempted to broach two and lay her broadside open to the sea but luckily for us her momentary stoppage and the force of water thrown into the mainsail when the second roller came along carried away the main sheet the boom swung right off losing its power the hedgeards and jibs made her pay off and thus saved us from what might have been a capsize right in the middle of the reef hands jumped aft at the captain's call with spare tackle to secure the boom but before they had found their way aft amidst the blinding spray the Emont had struck again and paused again as if to shake herself and make ready for another bound a second of breathless suspense another roller is upon us hitting her with sledge-hammer force as she lay fast on the reef knocking in part of the taffrail and nearly doubling me and nealance in two over the wheel while the quartermasters from whom we had taken charge of the wheel when we came to the edge of the reef were washed along and hanging on to the midship gun rising on the crest of this third roller the Emont again rushed on like a mad deer before the hounds when on the highest point of breaking roller she shook herself free of the water on her deck and as she subsided in the hollow left behind this crested wave a lusty cheer is shouted out from all hands for this time no bump is felt on mother earth to stop us on our onward way we are through the surf the water is a dark blue and comparatively smooth take in the mainsail and gaff topsail shouted the captain as soon as we had all taken breath 
anderson said the captain you stop at the wheel nealance attend to the mainsail and gaff topsail mr jule in with the square sail flying jib and topgallant sail quartermaster to your lead scarcely ten minutes had elapsed in crossing the surf but that ten minutes was a month of intense excitement and interest as i have already stated before the hands got aft with the tackle to secure the main boom we were over the reef and in floating water and the captain was rapidly giving them orders for shortening sail keep her right between the two hummocks anderson were the captain's orders to me the hummocks were only about a mile and a half from the reef so that by the time the sail was off her and the main boom secured we were entering between the two hummocks and passing an ugly rock that stood about eight feet out of the water and nearly in mid-channel the wind having lightened considerably as we neared the entrance and very little sail remaining set we glided gently up to the narrows between the two hummocks hauled sharply round to the northward and entered a beautiful and spacious landlocked harbour like a lake the water shoaling rapidly when we hauled up she was quickly stripped of her remaining canvas the anchor was let go and the eamont safely brought to rest the carpenter reported no water in the vessel not even an inch more than usual after her three tremendous bumps on the rocky reef the eamont was moored with two anchors the boarding nettings triced up four armed sentries put on watch as also one officer the men were sent to supper and afterwards regaled with a good allowance of grog in honour of our success we dined usually with the commander in a sumptuous manner but this night an extra sumptuousness was displayed in honour of arriving at the goal we were sent in quest of the boatswain kept watch while we dined so that we could all join in a hilarious evening the natives were not forgotten but were faring well with the schroffs who were highly elated at being in smooth water again not being very good sailors after dinner which to-night was somewhat prolonged the officer of the watch relieved the boatswain while the rest of us turned in to dream of surf-breaking reefs and other dangers found on unknown shores chapter seventeen a snug harbour but a jealous neighbour at daybreak the next morning the shrill whistle of the boatswain echoed over the still waters of the lagoon calling all hands to unmoor ship captain gulliver mr jule nealance and i had been on deck some little time having a look round with our glasses as the day broke at the vessels we found inside the harbour as well as having a good look at rooney's receiving ship besides the receiving ship which we already knew to be there there were a brig belonging to sydney a schooner hailing from amsterdam and several chinese junks all were of a lighter draught than the eamont by six or seven feet supposing them to have come in ballast which we afterwards discovered to be the case they having come to pick up a cargo of coarse sugar which they heard in hong kong from some chinaman was to be got here at a very low figure they had been here some time and intended waiting for the close of the southwest monsoon before taking their departure 
as soon as we had closely examined all around us the captain who was not satisfied with the position we were moored in said mr jule we will heave the port anchor up leave the starboard anchor on the ground where it is and warp her inshore a little astern of the receiving ship we will then run a stream chain on shore from the port bow and another chain from the port quarter to that rock inshore and astern of us mr nealance he said turning to the second officer you will take the starboard watch and get sixty fathoms of the port cable ranged along the starboard quarter-deck ready to shackle on to the spare bower anchor which we will drop on the bottom when all ready and before we warp her in mr anderson he said now addressing me take the boatswain's mate half the port watch a couple of quartermasters with the petty officers and get out the launch when the launch is out lower down one of the cutters lay a couple of strong planks across the boats bring them under the chains beneath the spare bower anchor and mr jule with his hands will attend to lowering it away for you keep the ring well up to the planks so that the carpenter can shackle the chain on properly then pull out on the starboard quarter about fifteen or twenty fathoms and let go the wind on the starboard side is pressing her too near the shore to give us scope enough if we let go from on board having thus received our instructions each officer and his men were soon at work to carry out the captain's orders in the promptest manner in a little over an hour the port anchor was up and the spare bower anchor was let go about fifteen fathoms off the starboard quarter as she was then lying at single anchor the launch was hoisted in and the cutter of which i had charge was ordered round to the port bow to run the hawser on shore the hawser was soon in the boat and four strong arms at the oars quickly landed us on the beach just inside the port quarter of the receiving ship two men sprang on shore with the end of the hawser and were about to make it fast to a large wooden stake that was driven into the ground and seemingly a mooring post while pulling on shore i had observed several of the officers of the receiving ship on her quarter-deck apparently taking a keen survey of our proceedings i gave a look up at them as we pulled across her stern with the intention of wishing them a good morning greeting but the looks that met mine were so repellent and hateful that i turned my attention to my boat and made no sign of amiability that they were very much put out that we had discovered their market and come to share it was very evident as the men were about to make fast to the post a voice with a down-east yankee twang yelled out stop that you cursed britishers or i will put a ball through you and that mighty slick too i looked up to where the voice proceeded from and staring the party who had so angrily spoken to them full in the face i retorted if you are going to shoot shoot this way these men are only obeying my orders perhaps if i had a shooter here you would not be so ready with your shooting it's a grand game shooting unarmed men this man of the yankee voice whom i took to be captain of the receiving ship as he seemed to take front rank stared at me with angry amazement as i replied to his threat from the boat he held up his revolver and lined me livid with rage he yelled 
i have a good mind to let daylight through you you cursed britisher for your infernal cheek better not i said or you will get your old hulk tumbled about your ears we don't sail without shooting irons and some of them are not for fooling or child's play he gazed at me in speechless amazement then turned round to his officers and had a palaver with them seemingly to judge by his gesticulations greatly excited as i had something else to do than watch him i jumped on shore with two more hands got a hold of the end of the rope ran it up to a large tree not far off and made it fast i returned alongside with the boat to carry out the stern hawser the captain called me on deck and questioned me about what had passed between the captain of the receiving ship and me i told him he talked of shooting if we made fast through the post he had probably driven into the ground and seemed altogether in a mighty rage the hawser is fast round a pretty large tree now and i don't suppose the tree is his as well i said shoot my men will he said the captain two can play at that game send the gunner here the gunner was soon alongside of us when the captain ordered him to get half a dozen rifles loaded and kept handy with some spare ammunition and calling his servant had his sword and revolver brought to him in the meantime mr jewel had been heaving in on the port bow rope and gradually we were nearing the receiving ship just as the captain had finished hearing my statement and had got his sword and revolver the maddened voice of the captain of the receiving ship was heard swearing in the unclassical language of the whitewashed yankee and threatening all sorts of damage to us if we came any nearer to his berth and his ship as well as vowing that he would cut our bow rope as soon as he threatened to cut the bow rope captain gulliver jumped on to the forecastle head alongside the pivot gun and with rifle in hand called out to this receiving ship captain in his most suave manner the man who attempts to cut that rope will receive the contents of this rifle and then we will rake you fore and aft if it is to be war between us mr nealance our captain said in a voice intended for the other to hear arm twenty of your watch with their rifles and revolvers and cover that ship's quarter-deck while we moor forward nealance and his men were soon stationed at their post well supplied with ammunition while i and my boat's crew pulled under the bow to receive the stream chain and big kedge which with the help of a couple of shovels we buried deep in the ground as soon as we had got it pulled on shore with the help of the bow housers while we were busy getting the chain and anchor on shore and secured nealance and his riflemen with an eye on our captain for orders carefully covered the quarter-deck of the receiving ship myself and boat's crew had our revolvers with us this time in order to have a little fair play if it should come to a fight on this occasion we were not spoken to i doubt indeed if we were even looked at busy with the chain and anchor although i now and again looked towards the receiving ship to see that he did not attempt to fulfil his threat i trusted most to our captain and nealance and his men for our protection and gave my mind and will to successfully burying the anchor so that it would have a good hold in the ground 
when i came back on board this time to run out the stern hawser i was agreeably surprised to see nealance and his men stacking their arms behind the mainmast and preparing to give me the hawser into the boat nealance told me as he leant over the side for a minute that five or six minutes after they had taken their position forward with their loaded rifles captain rooney with his officers gradually disappeared from their quarter-deck and had gone below deeming it prudent to leave us alone when they discovered that bluff would not keep us off we soon had the hawser on shore and heaving the ship close in to the rock made the stream chain fast and then hove her off to her position by heaving in on the starboard anchors forward and aft the eamont being now securely moored in the position desired by our commander the chinese shroffs were landed and proceeded to the first village they could find to tell of our arrival and the cargo we had brought the shroffs were somewhat of the quaker breed and went without arms seemingly having some mystic influence with the natives that made them always welcome the decks cleared again of all the paraphernalia required in mooring ship the boarding nettings triced up and the sentries armed all hands were piped to breakfast to which i believe every one did ample justice aft as well as forward having had both a little excitement and a little extra work to give us a good appetite end of section five